Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to <laughs> the Irishman discussion. Let's call it that. Irishman discussion. Okay. Irishman uh, discussion podcast. Yes. Uh, by two non-Irishmen, uh, myself, Daniel, and I'm joined by uh, notable fruitcake bandit, uh, Clyde. Uh, Clyde, I was going to say introduce yourself a little bit, but you know what? Maybe. What? <laughs> we, we said um, I'll start off. By, <laughs> I'll start off by saying my name is the most Irish one here. So there's that. Oh shit! You know, I never actually made that connection. Like, I swear it's Celtic or some shit. I googled this once pretty, in like year eight. Is pretty Irish. I don't know. Is that is that a bad thing to say? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> And unless an actual Irish person tells me otherwise, I'm gonna to stick to my stick to to what I think. Sorry to everyone in Ireland if that was insensitive. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so, watching anyway. Go on. Let's go over this film. So basically, <clears throat> uh, The Irishman was directed and produced by Martin Scorsese, uh, mm-hmm. and it was written by Stephen Zalian. Uh, I believe that's how that's pronounced. And it was based on a 2004 nonfiction book called I Heard You Paint Houses. Fun name, I know. Uh, and that's also notably the on-screen title. They don't actually ever refer to it as the Irishman. Oh, the I don't know why I didn't think about that. Um, hmm. So just a general overview. Uh, the film follows Frank Sheeran, uh, played by Robert De Niro, a truck mm-hmm. driver who becomes a hitman involved with mobster Russell Buffalino, uh, played by Joe Pesci. Uh, is, is that how you say his name? Is it Pesci? It's Pesci. Okay. It's Pesci. Cool, cool, cool. I mean, I hope it is. Like, I've only <laughs> ever heard it being pronounced Pesci, so at this point, it's too late. Uh, and, yeah, so it, uh, it's also about his crime family, uh, Russell's crime family, and basically uh, it, it also highlights his time working under the powerful teamster Jimmy Hoffa, who's played by Pacino. Al Pacino. Sorry, I'll give him the full Al. title. I'll give him the respect Big Al. he deserves. <laughs> um, so yeah, overall impressions, Clyde. Take the lead. Why is this movie so fucking long? God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Three and a half hours is too much for anything. Like, no no movie should be this long. Like, look, I like look looking at what it is and that it's based on like some um semi-biographical I assume they've chased some shit because even I've heard even the book itself has had some controversy for maybe not saying things as truthfully as they happened mm-hmm. so I can see why it, this got stretched out so long but uh, like it's 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 odd for 2019 for Netflix to produce a movie so long because Yes, people who watch Netflix do binge things, but mm-hmm. people on Netflix also have a shorter retention span, which is why things kind of come out in quick fire, quick succession. They, nothing really goes for that long, especially movies, but like three and a half. And it's also three and a half hours of talking. Just talking. Mm-hmm. Lots of talking. And weird CGI and lots of talking. <laughs> 
yeah. But like, yeah, my my initial thoughts when it, like I think the first thing if you ever want to recommend this movie is go, is just make like mandatory toilet breaks. You gotta eat. You gotta stay hydrated because mm. fuck. Also, get bring a blanket or some shit because chances are you might be like me and fall asleep like halfway through it because it's just. <laughs> Yeah, but besides that, I I was excited for the cast because I'm I'm not gonna say I'm the biggest Scorsese fan. I I like his stuff. Like I like the Goodfellas. Mm. Um, he didn't. He directed Wolf of Wall Street, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He did. He did. For some reason, my my mind's like, oh, he's a producer. But yeah, I loved Wolf of Wall Street. I like. I I went through a phase of like. Italian mob like gangster movies when I was like 15, 16 and that kind of stayed in my in my mind. So I really, you know, big fan of De Niro, big fan of Pacino. Um is anybody even oh big fan of Pesci, obviously, because he's one of those weird parts of our childhood where he was in home <laughs> he was in home he was in home alone. And then somehow he went from that to being in the good films where he's like just straight up killing motherfuckers and he's like genuinely inter- intimidating. Have you seen The Goodfellas? I haven't. I have not. I think I've seen like maybe a little bit on TV. Have you but, uh, no, I've never watched I bet it. The Goodfellas is uh, famous for the, the the scene where it's like, so you think I'm funny? Oh, like clown funny or some shit? And he gets offended because someone called Joe Pesci funny and then he gets aggro on his, on his ass. Okay. I do want to watch it. So though. yeah. Yeah. Basically, I I was excited for this movie because it's legendary legendary director, legendary actors, mm. and he's back to doing what he's you know known for doing, and you know it's it seemed like it'd be a interesting film, and it's definitely an interesting film. Yeah, yeah, just, just very long. I would not be surprised if someone thought this movie was boring because at I guess unless it's a thing you're interested in hearing about like, you know, the mob and the intricacies of how, how they communicate and what their relationship to each other is and the politics of it all. Unless you're actually interested in that, you probably just go, this is the most boring shit I've ever seen. Like nothing's actually happening. Yeah, yeah. They do take their time with it <clears throat> to like hook you in and, and get into a rhythm where you understand where the film is actually going and everything like that. Yeah. Because it kind of mm. just feels like just my overall impression just uh you you're like surveying different scenes and you're like what's the through line here and they yeah. give you hints like throughout mm-hmm. it obviously uh we'll get into it in a bit but like there's yeah. different timelines um so there is like a key timeline that happens at some point uh mm-hmm. that all loops it all together but at first it's just like uh what's what's happened here yeah, like they can go through a whole like fifteen minute scene, and unless you're paying like close attention to what they're actually saying, you just go, "What was that about?" They mm-hmm. just seem to just you know say vague mobster terms and walk away. And somehow, like there's been multiple times in the movie where someone says something to De Niro, which is actually um like an order to go and do something else, but they didn't say it as specifically as, "Hey, why don't you go kill that guy?" They you know they say. Um, there's a there's a word there's this word like they like um, early on he says oh when someone says they're concerned that means they're very concerned <laughs> and when they say and when they say they're very concerned that means they're desperate so when someone goes to him and goes yeah we're very concerned about this guy 
that's like weirdly enough code for him to go, oh, guess that guy gets whacked tonight. And if you're not paying attention, you'd just be surprised. Like, why is in the why is in the next scene someone getting killed as if this is the plan all along? When really, it always was the plan. You just gotta be yeah. paying attention to that. Yeah. All right. I reckon that's. <clears throat> I I'll just say I I like this film. Uh, I didn't mm-hmm. love it. I, but I did like it. Um, and I do agree that it is very long. Yes, I had KFC, hot and spicy deal in the middle of this. It was fantastic. I know that's what you were wondering, but yeah, it was actually really good. $4.95, what value? Um, Pretty good. <laughs> this um, <the> quarantine money. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yes I, in the middle overall, of Overall, I... I liked it too. Like I, I did like it. Hmm. I what's the word? I'm in a weird camp with this movie where, just like I saw Blade Runner recently, I appreciate it, but I don't love it. Hmm. Like there's so many things stopping it from being like really, really, really good for me. But I, I do appreciate like the, I guess the time and care that they put into the craft and you know, the movie is well made. Like in terms of filmmaking, it is, it's tight. It's really yeah. fucking tight. It's beautiful at times. Uh, but like so. sometimes that's not enough. Like for me to want to ever go, Hey, I want to watch the Irishman again. It's going <laughs> to take a lot. Like it'll, I need to be watching it with someone who hasn't seen it before. And they are so desperate to see it that I'm the only person that can help them get through it. Yeah. That's the only way I'm going to watch this again. Like, this ain't, I'm not doing this again. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Marty. Not, not going. But I liked it. Like, overall, I, I, I do enjoy it. I really like it. But I understand if someone didn't. It's one of those things where it's, it's, it's not like if, if you showed someone the first Home Alone, gotta go throw back, and they're like, I don't like it. And you're like, how could you not? But what's there not to like? But this one, you're like, there's a lot. I can see. Yeah. It's very niche. Yeah. So. Let's uh, move on now to the actual uh, meat of the discussion, which we're going to run through the plot points uh, Mm -hmm. and just uh, see where that takes us uh, through the story. Um, So initially uh, we have an introduction to meeting the mob. So again, we have Frank Sheeran, the titular Irishman we soon find out after seeing his mm-hmm. bright blue eyes uh, bright blue eyes bright blue eyes basically he is a truck driver as i mentioned before mm-hmm. uh, he's delivering like uh butchered meat uh around and uh initially he uh we we find a scene where he meets russell uh who's joe's character russell buffalino uh but we don't actually know anything about Russell. They just meet at a gas station uh, and uh, Frank's character, he's having a bit of trouble with the, uh, with the truck and he, they, they make a little connection. So what, what do you think of that scene? Yeah. Uh, it's, an, it's, it's, it's cool as like an introduction because you can tell from the way that Russell shows up that he's like, you've known someone so confident. I think um, Frank says it where it's like, you can tell he, he, he owns something. Because like he carried himself in such a way where he just he just knew what to do, problem solver, it's done, and he's so like cool about it. And then after that, I think he goes, "Oh yeah." Then turns out he actually owned that road that I broke yeah. down on, or some weird shit like that. So yeah, 
I think, yeah, in terms of introductions, it's definitely, it established their really relationship very early on as um, while Frank is, Frank is very practical, but he doesn't know how to do everything that well. But then um, Russell's the guy who's like, I may not be the one physically doing the stuff, but I got the know-how. I know what I, I, I can give you the instructions to, to the point that you can get the job done. And yeah, he's definitely yeah, so a mastermind essentially. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, oh, and it's worth noting as well that uh, the way the story is structured, there are multiple timelines and mm-hmm. uh, Frank is reminiscing about his time in the mob. Uh, so he's actually at this point in the start of the film uh, in a nursing home uh, recounting his days. Uh, and yeah, there's also another timeline that we have shown early in the film that's happening simultaneously where it's, it's taking place, I believe in 1975, this part later in the timeline where, uh, Frank, uh, Russell and their wives, are going on a road trip to a wedding and we don't know. Uh, anything else besides that it's a long road trip and uh, Frank's mapping it out and everything like that. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> that's not, there's not really much to discuss until later in the film with that. Section. Yeah, that does, it, it, the, that timeline when it gets introduced actually seems kind of weird. Like what's, what's the point? What's, what's at the end? Are they going to mm. get to the wedding? Then something happens. But then as this, as the plot progresses, or I guess, it can't, it's, it's weird how it progresses, but it kind of has already happened. But yeah. yeah, but at some point it clicks and you go, oh, that's what this is leading up to. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, so then uh, the, eventually as uh, Frank, you know, we see scenes of him, you know, t- delivering the meat and everything like that. Uh, he eventually uh, meets Skinny Razor, played by Bobby Cannavale. And I love Bobby Cannavale. Uh, he was so good on Mr. Robot. So oh, that. Yes. Um, do, do you know what's weird? I only know him. Like, I think he's been in like a, a couple of things I've seen, but I didn't know who he was. But weirdly enough, like the thing of note right now, I'm like, oh, he's he's an Ant Man. Yes, yeah. I saw Ant Man, and he's on um, the. Is he an Ant Man? I see. He's I, the stepdad. He, a, you know oh, how, he like, is the stepdad. Oh my god, I forgot about yeah. this. Because <laughs> Scott's, because yeah, this um, he's he's the cop because he's dating Scott's um, ex-wife, which is the weirdest coincidence. But anyway, let's not go into that. He's yeah. he's good in that. <laughs> a, a, um, aggressively Italian, um, Bobby Cannavale. <laughs> yeah, aggressive, so aggressive. And his, he is yeah, though. His name, yeah. So his his name is uh, Skinny Razor in the film. Mm-hmm. Good. Mm-hmm. Good mob name. Uh, Hell of a name. Intimidating. Very, very great. I don't know if he was that skinny, really, but sure. <laughs> yeah, he looked kind of chunky, but hey. Uh, yeah, so that's his connection to the mob because uh, eventually, um, you know, he keeps doing, uh, Frank keeps doing work, uh, <laughs> keeps delivering that meat. You know, uh, mm-hmm, I still mm-hmm. didn't quite get how that was all intersecting into the crime side of things, personally. Oh, no. It, <laughs> I don't think it mentioned it. It kind of, it doesn't say, it's, it's not like, um, once again, throwing back to Goodfellas because, well, that's my, in, that's my introduction to 
Scorsese's filmmaking style. It's kind of like actually that community episode where they do the chicken, the chicken, chicken wings. Chicken wings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally the same thing because it, because that because it kind of goes through. Here's the crime. Here's how it works. Yada 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 yada. And this is how we got the money. But in this, they kind of bypass that and they just. He just kind of goes to a guy, and he's like, "Hey, can you um zip tie the the truck so you know nothing happens to the stock?" And he doesn't zip tie it. He goes somewhere else. They offload. I think they don't offload all the meat. They offload a like half or or like a mm. third or something. And then he closes it, zip ties it, and goes back to his, goes to his actual destination where he's supposed to deliver the meat. And then they offload it, which felt. And then he also paid yeah. off somebody else at the end. So I'm not sure what's going on he's there, but smuggling meat. Uh, people who got, shouldn't have me getting meat. Is that what's going on here? <laughs> I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I was gonna say, can't you just go to the local butcher? I don't know. It's weird. Like Bobby Cannavale somehow needs him to transport steak. this meat to him halfway steak. I, I guess it's really good steak or something like that. Like I don't know. Yeah, it's a very weird. Really, I was I, yeah, I, conversations. Like, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So then I think, and then at some, and then I think that all culminates at some point. Uh, he gets to the end point where he's meant to deliver the meat, and the truck is empty. Mm. Which since we it. don't know how the whole the con works in the first place, with I'm just confused. Like, why is it empty? Why would you? Yeah. And then of course the the guy there is like, well, I'm not taking the fall for this shit. You're the fucking delivery driver. Why didn't you bring all the meat? And he's like, eh, I don't know. You know, he's doing that De Niro shrug. The. <laughs> and then, um, <laughs> and then you know that leads to um, to him meeting your boy, Ray Romano. Everybody loves him. Uh, yeah. So Ray Romano makes his appearance and you're like oh my god what is he doing here he is uh bill buffalino now uh you might remember the buffalino name from before Mm -hmm. he is russell's cousin so he's yeah that's he's bill buffalino and he's the lawyer uh that he's he's the Saul goodman yes your shady lawyer uh every crime uh Piece yep, of yep. idiot needs <laughs> a shady lawyer. <laughs> um, and basically, he gets him off as innocent in court. And after that, uh, they meet Russell again, uh, except this time in a bar, restaurant, restaurant. Um, yeah. yeah and, um, so- quickly, just just as of um, something to note there. Which I just it kind of came to me this morning that um, you know how like in most movies you go, how did he get caught up in that business out of seemingly nowhere? Mm. I guess they. I'm I'm assuming that um when Russell first met him on the thing, he didn't really think much of who the who this guy is. Mm. Actually, no, that might have been, I don't know. But basically, I think since um Ray Romano's character asked him, "Oh, are you willing to give out any names?" And then he's just so adamant, like, no, I'm not a snitch. I feel like that's their through line and going, oh, this guy is a, this guy's loyal. You know, he's on the sketchier crime side of things, but, you know, he seems yeah. useful. So I feel like, you know, Bill would have gone to Russell and gone, okay, this guy seems, seems tight. We can, we can, we can use him. Let's get him in our so circle. Kind of- yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, yeah, I think the reason 
it works and it doesn't work for me at the same time is because mm -hmm. I feel the the meat delivery stuff was poorly explained. Like Yeah, they just yada yada it. I'm like, who are you protecting? I actually don't know who you're protecting. <laughs> are you protecting Skinny Razor? Is that what's going on here? I think that's what's happening. I but think at that's the same it. time, what are you protecting him from? The meat racketeering business? I don't know what's going on. <laughs> so we, I don't know. Since we don't know what the con is, a lot of them, um, no pun intended, the, the stakes. <laughs> the stakes. I don't know. We don't know how high the stakes are. It's like, but I don't know. It, they, they did just kind of yada yada right through that whole thing and i feel like it's because in the grand scheme of things it's not that important it is and, it'd be, yeah. and it and it'd be kind of a waste of runtime ironically in a movie three and a half hours long a waste of runtime <laughs> to have like even um i would have liked if even like um frank from the future, like present day Frank, mm. would have narrated and gone, okay, so I used to run this meat down to this place, but since um, Skinny Razor would pay me a cut to somehow, you know, go through some place in the middle to offload some of the meat, and then mm. I can pay off the guy at the end so he doesn't, um, I guess, write down that there is a loss, because there's no way they wouldn't count the meat at one end and then count the meat at the other end and go, okay, you, you loaded 19 steaks here. And you offloaded 19 steaks there because if it was 19 here, then 10 over there, then when the guy there go, steak don't, eva steak don't evaporate. In the <laughs> a, a, a middle man, as you would, as you would call. Mm, mm. Exactly. Anyway, now, you see, now we're spending a lot of time figuring out the fucking con, even though the movie gave it like 10 seconds. <laughs> so, but like, they didn't give it 10 seconds and it's a setup. So it should be, I don't know, I'm sure they explained it. I'm sure they did, but in their mm. code namey way, ah, uh, mafioso way, ah, uh, you know, he's swimming with the fishes kind of way. <laughs> he's not talking about. Like, Man, when's the last <laughs> time you heard a movie say swimming with the fishes? It's a Simpsons, Simpsons line at this point. <laughs> they had a fat Tony, so there's this, there's that. Yeah, it's got to be a fat Tony. So, I, yeah, I don't know. It is that's a bit of like an annoyance for me. Yeah, thankfully it happens. Thankfully it happens so early on in this long ass movie. By the time the end comes, you forget it even happened. So that's fine. Yeah. So, anyway, they're at this bar slash diner restaurant, whatever you want to call it. Uh, mm -hmm. And yeah, Bill introduces Frank to Russell, uh, and again, like they already met at the gas station, uh, so there's that history and. Uh, but Bill doesn't know that, obviously. He wasn't at yeah, the yeah. station. Uh, and, yeah, notably, like, Russell's like, ah, oh, uh, these are where the tough guys are. It's like, can you hang with the tough yep, guys? Yep. Something along those lines. And it's like, it's like, this is his welcome. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's also, I guess, the beginning of, um, I think it's, I think it's at, this, at, the, at the restaurant where, Frank and I keep getting Bill and Russell's name confused. Russell, Frank and Russell start their long tradition of eating the the wine with the bread. Mm. Oh yeah. And they also, yeah, because they even do it at the very end in under very different circumstances. But they they kind of every now and then I think it's like their kind of bonding thing. They kind of sit down, they get the wine, they get the bread. They're like I think they dip the wine in the bread or some shit. Wait, they dip the bread in the wine. That would make bread in the wine, sense. definitely. <laughs> yeah. 
and I think that's when they also, you also get a bit of a look back into Frank's history as a soldier because um, he was um, in, is it a world war he was in? I don't know. He was mm. in some sort of war. He fought in, I think it was Italy. He fought somewhere. And then he explains, I guess, his whole, kind of his whole mindset for the whole movie where you're given orders, execute them. That's yeah. it. No matter how you feel about them, you may not want to, but ultimately it has to happen. You have to survive and to survive, you got to do what you got to do and then go on to the next one. So that's pretty much, it's, it's good because it sets up his character and like it basically goes, um, any questionable action he makes, you can understand that in his mind, logically, he's just like, it doesn't matter if I like what I'm doing. The thing is, Am I making my money? Can I feed my family? Boom, done, and that's mm. it. So I think also it goes. It also puts it across to Russell. That's the kind of person he is, and Russell's like even more, I guess, impressed with him as okay. This guy can be a soldier for me if that's the case. Exactly, and it's worth mm-hmm. noting that uh, he was, oh, as you said, he was a war vet. He was a war vet in Italy, and that's why he can mm-hmm. speak Italian, even though he's Irish. Even though he's Irish. Uh, even though he's Irish. That'd be more endearing to uh, the Italian mob, essentially, uh, obviously. Yeah, yeah. You know, a little bit of chit-chat. It helps. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, basically, uh, the mob activity continues. Uh, Frank is all the way in it. He's starting to paint houses as one might say which i actually i love that uh i actually that's such a that's such a cool term oh my god look at us <laughs> look at us romanticizing murder <laughs> <We're so sick. laughs> it so is cool, cool though it's kind of like it's like um because it's um because in the beginning it like it, they don't they never explain to you what it means they mm. just say it and then go look. You're a fucking adult. You can figure this out. Yeah, it's like, what do you what do you mean you're a painter? You're a truck driver. What are you what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, it's it's also good for like over the phone. If your phone's been been like bugged, and go, oh yeah, I paint houses. You, do, you, do you have a house to paint? And then you give an address, and you go and you you know blow a fucker's brains over the wall. And yeah, good code. Good code. Good code. So one of the like notable things to me that like Frank gets involved in like one of the jobs, like as he's starting to uh, carry all this stuff out is he uh, has a job with this guy who isn't whispers. He's the uh, other, other whispers. whispers. <laughs> the other whispers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and essentially he, uh, this other whispers wants him to take out this rival business, uh, which I think they do washing or linen or something like that. Uh, don't but, yeah, know yeah. what the occupation is, but basically he wants Frank to go get some dynamite, blow some shit up. Frank's about to do it, and then uh, was it Skinny that shows up? Skinny shows up. Yeah. Skinny shows up, and then he takes him to Russell, and he's like, uh, "That's our business that you were just about to blow up," and it's just like, "Oh shit, okay." Uh, oh yeah, and we forgot the intro- We forgot the introduction of. Fuck, I didn't write his name down. Because there's the guy. Um, the other guy? <laughs> the other the guy other, who's the played other by... Other um, he's played by God as a Pulp Fiction fan. It, it pays me to forget his name. Angelo Bruno. 
He's Angela played by Harvey Cartel. Harvey Cartel. Harvey Cartel. Harvey. I said that Harvey. Harvey. Harvey Cartel. Yes. <laughs> you can't have a mob movie without Harvey Cartel somewhere, somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, and also quickly, we we skipped something very important with um his the beginnings of his kind of shitty relationship with his daughter Peggy. Uh, where he goes he goes home and um his wife's like oh Peggy's crying the guy at the supermarket pushed her or something and then he goes into protect protective mode grabs Peggy takes her down to like the the local supermarket which is like this really tiny like corner shop I thought it'd be like a mega mart for some reason mm. and then he goes in he just pushes the guy over like like just, then like stomps his hand and shit yeah, which um, that was, that was I I wild. noticed something which um. I, th- I think it was on the CinemaSins podcast where they, I, I did, I, it, when I saw it, it did, it clicked with me, but I forgot the fact that he is supposed to be what late thirties or something, but you know, nah, he's older he, for sure. Okay. Even, okay. Even though he is older, he's not like as, Might be like he's, not, he's, something. he's still young enough to, you know, inside pretty like to, to beat somebody up to that point yeah. but he's he's moving like how old is robert de niro <laughs> <laughs> he's moving like he's robert de niro today <laughs> yeah like robert de niro is um 76 so robert de niro 76 is trying to like stomp this dude's hand out on the street but he's doing it in this kind of like You've been to like a, a wedding, like we've been to ethnic weddings where yeah. you see the oldest grandpa there trying to pull like a jive or something, <laughs> and he's like that, that weird half step. <laughs> and he's doing that on this poor guy's hand. I'm like, you're meant to be like 40 something here, but you're moving like you've already got arthritis, and it, it kind of took me out. Yeah, it's like so it's one of those times... and lumbering, just like. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's one of those times where I think we could have done with quick editing just to kind of make it seem like there's way more momentum than there was because he's just kind of, the way he's stepping on this guy's hand, it wouldn't break. Like, he'd get a bruise, yeah. a sprain, but it wouldn't break it. And um, then, of course, Peggy sees this and then goes, yeah, my dad's, I understand my dad wants to protect me, but he goes about it the absolute worst way. And yeah. as the time goes by, they keep seeing... um newspaper articles about all this bad shit going on and they always look at him and it's funny, every time they, they read it they look at him he's just sipping tea or some shit he's just looking over there like what of it that's interesting oh, who died? <laughs> what do you know that sucks yeah so it begins this kind of this relation this kind of bad relationship between like okay there's him and his wife where she probably knows but she's trying to like safe face but mm. peggy being a kid she, she doesn't give a fuck she's just like i'm scared of you i don't i don't like who you're becoming and it kind of you know goes on into later. yeah yeah so yeah peggy's anyway. quite distrustful of her father even early on as a child yeah. um and, and then yeah. we continue with the scene with um harvey Keitel because we had to yeah so yeah basically he finds out that he messed up and then he's got to take mm-hmm. care of it uh now it's it's kind of like they built him up to have his own agency and be able to take out these contracts from outsiders. And then it's like, nah, you can't do that. You're always working for the mob. This is your, this is your, this is your crime. There's always, there's always (laughs) a connection somewhere going, you can't just do whatever you want because you don't know who, you don't know who has stock 
in something that like um because like he, he thought oh that's obviously some other like he's i think he said like the jews like some jew people were in, in control Jewish. of that <laughs> jewish people i'm not nick cannon i don't play that shit anyway <laughs> um some jewish people were controlled that on um, place was going to go and blow up but then of course angelo bruno's like oh no that's that's my spot mm. so you can't you can't do this shit and um of course he if it was anybody else if if he didn't have that connection to russell he would have just died that night you would they wouldn't even have thought anything about it and then of course he's then russell calms calms down angelo bruno then goes no he he didn't know this guy this guy's good he just kind of he he made a mistake and then of course bruno has that line where it's like you don't understand how good a friend you have then frank's like oh i know he's like no you don't understand <laughs> Uh, you were not gonna make. <laughs> you wouldn't exactly. You were not gonna make it through the night. But if Russell, since Russell said some shit, I'll let you take care of this yourself. Oh, and then he's like trying to backtrack and go. Oh no no no! I'll I'll give um whispers back his money, and then Angelo Bruno's like, you won't need it. Mm. He's like, oh, but 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 if I'm not gonna do do the hit of giving back his money, it's all good. Then Bruno's like, no, trust me, he won't need his money. Yeah. <laughs> Which is again one of those codes where it's like he won't need it. Translation, you're going to have to go and kill him now. Yeah, pretty much. Which, oh man, that was a, of like, you know, when, like, I know this this movie has so many similar scenes, but that was a good scene. That was. Yeah, I really, I really did like that. Also, I liked it because Joe Pesci didn't say shit. Like the whole time, he just kind of sat there next to um, Harvey Keitel. And he kept giving Frank this look like, you fucked up. I'm disappointed you fucked up and he didn't say anything mm. and it just it was good it, it was, was good yeah. it was and then of course the next the next scene whispers just this movie's approach to violence is so sudden like it's you, you know it's yeah you know it's coming but you never like can guess oh and then there's this shot and then this shot like any like if you watch john wick like you can tell everything's gonna happen and you're not surprised by it yeah but in this one just kind of walks up and goes oh hey frank how you been then bam, and walks away pop pop and done yeah i also love the fact that no one's ever around huh oh yeah <laughs> no one's ever around because his. there's always one guy on the street <laughs> yeah yeah i did like uh i did no we'll get to that later i will get to uh-huh. that later I'll save it. I'll save it. I'll save it. Um, so then, and I'm not even sure if it happens right after, but we get mm-hmm. the introduction of Jimmy Hoffa, and I'm like, who the hell is this? Like he said, it's like <laughs> the young people, they don't know Jimmy Hoffa. He was one no of the shit. Most famous people at the time, and I'm like. I think I've heard of his name, maybe. I've heard the name, definitely. <laughs> I've, I've heard the name, but I forget under what circumstances. Kind of like, it's like, it's, it's like, um, let's say 50 years from now, someone's like, hey, uh, hey, man, you know, you know Suge Knight? I'm like, who the fuck Suge Knight? <laughs> never, never heard of him. You, you, mean, um, you, mean, you, mean, you mean the baby? No, no, Suge Knight. <laughs> um, yeah, it's... It's one of those things where, since this is biographical, if you go into it without knowing anything about anyone, like, look, the other characters, they do explain who they are, and they don't exp- they don't exp- explain, they don't, what's called, introduce them in this sort of really important way and go, you got to know who Frank, who um, Frank Sheeran is. But for Jimmy Hoffa, they made this big fanfare, like, holy shit, this guy was the shit. And I had to, 
I had to do a bit of research and basically it kind of boils down to he was part of the he was the a teamsters. president of the, of the Teamsters, which were a um a union. Yeah, it's like a, a workers', a workers union. union. Yeah, yeah. And uh-huh. he ran for did he run for president or was he going to run for president? I forget. I think there's something about that. Maybe oh, really? I can't remember. Or maybe it was just yeah. So basically, he was he was the president of the Teamsters, and they had obviously they had mob mob connections. Yeah, which is how um he ended up with um with Frank and actually the scene before that because I keep there's always like little little, little setups there's the part where um they're all bo- oh oh yeah and then Frank casually leaves his wife in the space of like thirty seconds he meets the waitress and oh he's like, my god yeah. Yeah, true and the, the, oh my god the next scene he's like so I left my wife and like, you're so casual. I really forgot this. what she looks like, to be honest. It's like, I just see Irene. Irene is his new wife. Rini, mm-hmm. as he likes to call her. Yeah. Rini, yeah. And so he, he literally leaves her the next scene, and then even the scene after that, apparently the new misses and the ex-misses are best friends, and they're all at a bowling alley for some reason. Which is really and, um, interesting. Cause interesting, because usually there's like animosity for days. And it's olden days. Olden days, they'd be mad as fuck. I'm surprised yeah. they're even friends in the first place. Anyway, uh, probably for the kids, honestly. No, and speaking of the kids, because of the, it's they know they're in a crime family. <laughs> they know too much. You can't just go <laughs> off and, and yeah, exactly. And then they also established the fact that um Peggy, um Frank's daughter, is scared of Russell because you know they. I think she, you know, like that kid's intuition where you just get a bad vibe mm. of somebody. Yeah. And she just doesn't, and Russell's like, no matter how much I try to like, you know, make a joke or be nice to her, I think she's scared of me. And then, yeah. of course, Frank's like, no shit. <laughs> Do you know who you are? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of like, look, I, I know that they're bad people, but I did feel kind of sad that Russell was trying to be nice and have like a little bit of a, like a relationship because he's also good friends with Frank. So it makes sense to be good friends with his family, but it yeah. just didn't, really she didn't like him. Sorry. And, Fair enough, because uh, ultimately they were terrible people. <laughs> yeah. As much as we like the actors, so he yeah. Good and then, <laughs> yeah, and then you know that that feeds into the scene where it's like you know our friend up top needs help, and then um, Frank meets Big Al, Jimmy Hoffa. Which, if you see pictures of Jimmy Hoffa in real life, he yeah. does kind of look like Al Pacino. So I have to confess. I had Uh no idea it was Al Pacino the whole time. The whole time. I said, oh, isn't Al Pacino supposed to be in this movie? That's what I said to myself. (laughs) (laughs) It's been an hour. Where is Al? Where is Al? I was like, this guy, he looks kind of familiar. He looks reminiscent of someone, but who? I don't know. He's probably some other old actor that is... I, Italian. <laughs> is Al Pacino? Yeah, he is. Pacino's an Italian ass name. I think Al Pacino oh, confused me ethnically in the beginning because the first thing I remember seeing him in was Scarface and he's playing like a. I don't know what. Um, Scarface is definitely not Italian. Is. He's something Latin, uh, Latino American, I'm pretty sure, or something like that. But yeah, because. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wait. So, how how familiar are you with Al Pacino, though? Is it the kind of like a, you just you, it just didn't click, or you just you don't know much about him to the point? I know that his face. He, I've seen Ocean's Thirteen. <laughs> um, oh, he was in that. <laughs> and I don't Ooh. know what else I've seen Al Pacino in. Was he in Heat? Was he in Heat? He was in Heat. 
Okay, I've isn't seen. he with with De Niro? With De Niro, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mm-hmm. think that's about my Pacino film knowledge. Besides, you know, just general, uh, he's one of the greatest. Da, 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 you da. never saw um, the Devil's Advocate with oh, uh, Keanu. Who's uh, the devil? No, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that. He's not. In, is he the Godfather? Yes. Yes, I've he seen is. The Godfather. He is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in like, <laughs> I think part two or part three. He's not in part one. Isn't he? Yeah. Oh fuck me! I'm in. I'm gonna have to edit that out because what? if anybody hears what I just said, I'm gonna get killed. <laughs> He's in part one. <laughs> God, do you know what it is? I'm what? used to seeing old Al Pacino to the point that I forget what young Al Pacino looked like. Yeah, it's yeah. like, have you seen like Taxi Driver and how young Tadira looked? And then you're just like, I can't imagine. It's like seeing a seeing a young Morgan Freeman. It's not the same person. That's not oh the same God. person. Where were we? <laughs> <laughs> we are back to Jimmy Hoffa because now we have context for uh, the whole Peggy, uh, Russell, Frank relationship and the new wife mm-hmm. and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so basically, yeah, Jimmy, he's the head of the Teamsters, head of this union. Um, and, uh, Frank and Jimmy meet and they start to become close and it's mm-hmm. kind of like, this is all under the supervision of the mob. Like they're cool with it. Like this is their job. They put him up to it. Yeah. Um, but they start to develop their own bond, essentially. Their the own brotherhood. Yeah. Separately. Kind of, yeah. It's, it's its own thing from the mob. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah. So, Frank, uh, basically, Jimmy Jimmy is, um, what do you call it? He confides in Frank. Like, Jimmy Hoffa as a person in the movie, I don't know much about him in real life, obviously. In the movie, he is abrasive as shit. Like, this guy is probably the most stubborn person. Most ever petty seen. person God. in the world. <laughs> that's some petty shit. That's like that's some like little finger shit. Jesus Christ, this guy oh. is petty as fuck. He does not want to budge, no matter what anyone says or what's going on it's or incredible. how much. He... Do you know what what he is? He is like that that really shit stereotype that lots of guys have about women, where it's like they don't don't apologize. If you've won the conversation, that doesn't mean shit. You ain't getting that apology. And that's Jimmy yeah. Hoffa in a nutshell. It doesn't <laughs> matter if you Google the answer in front of him and you get it right and you read it to him. He's just like, no, nah, I don't yeah. believe you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Like, and that, and, and he's, and he, it also doesn't help that he is a charismatic as hell public speaker. So he can rally people really fast. Yeah. Obviously, people in the in the team shows he has enemies, lots of lots of enemies because uh, oh, yeah, there's also um something about this movie requires you to have a certain level of knowledge of American history, JFK, specifically around the JFK Nixon, period because all that shit. Um, yeah. They mention JFK. They mention um his brother Bobby Kennedy. Yeah. yeah, Bobby or um Booby yeah, Bobby Kennedy, Kennedy as <laughs> <Booby> Kennedy <laughs> as uh. As Jimmy Hoffa calls him, it's yeah. like the dumbest insult ever. Anyway, go ahead. Such a sixties insult. <laughs> yeah, and apparently, um, another controversy about the book, um, I uh, the books I heard you pay in houses, right? Or something yeah. like that. Is that the mob was responsible for getting JFK elected, which also helped um Robert Kennedy to get elected. But then for some reason, Robert Kennedy had a vendetta against Jimmy Hoffa, even though the same mob is the one that got. JFK. There's a bit of a weird political. They do say that in the movie. Web. 
Um, yeah, they that do. Basically, and yeah, uh, Bobby Bobby Kennedy is going after uh, Jimmy, uh, essentially, and he, uh, Bobby is trying to get on. What what is there? The Supreme Court or something like that. Something or like something that. like that. I forget uh-huh. what the what the end point of the whole um, Bobby Kennedy Jimmy Hoffa feud was because yeah. I kind of stopped. I, I began to half pay attention because I'm like, can the mob shit continue? This is this is weird, you know, because they kind of explain it, but not as much as I'd like them to. As a person who is not a from America, B, mm. our generation does not have an intricate knowledge of Amer- of like that that era of history. Obviously, yeah. Like, our, my introduction to Richard Nixon was fucking Futurama. So that's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> like I was, I was like nine years old in Zimbabwe and my brother brought back like a Futurama DVD and I'm like, who the fuck is Richard Nixon? Why does he sound like all the time? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's the thing that can be a bit of a problem for, especially some people our generation who don't know much about, that era because it also, kind of not uh not raised in the u.s so yeah <laughs> in the u.s so half of this shit i'm like who the fuck is jimmy hoffa who the hell is who are these people so yeah that does become a bit of a problem because there's a whole part where um oh yeah then there's a part where jimmy hoffa yells at like his whole team for some reason mm. for something to do with bobby kennedy and of course frank's in there and then frank gets a bit a bit butthurt and he's just like he's like don't talk to me that way and he's like oh no you know i was talking to them not you and he's like yeah Mm -hmm. but i was in the room and so it's it does also establish that um relationship where no matter what happens basically no matter how badly frank kind of potentially could mess up jimmy will always have his back and vice versa and vice versa because as the movie will show you frank will pretty much try to defend jimmy like any chance he gets all the way any chance he gets oh, yeah, and, except know. maybe one percent <laughs> you know this, this, yeah, maybe yeah. not all the way <laughs> yeah like okay honestly the whole thing with um with bobby kennedy i wouldn't even care about discussing because there's really nothing yeah, to discuss it's, not, it's just uh it, it just propels the story forward in in that it, it creates more drama but it's like micro aggressions it's yeah. not like like the thing that gets things to the boiling <laughs> point essentially yeah um, it basically leads to the point where jimmy goes to jail yes Does it? And, and 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 sorry just quickly before um jimmy goes to jail it also establishes his um rivalry with the one um tony pro <coughs> Tony Which is, Provolone, um, is that how you say it? I don't know. I don't know. I'll just call him Tony Pro because it's easier. And <laughs> I like him. I like him because he is in one of my favorite movies of all time, Snatch. Which have you you seen Snatch? I have, but I said I've seen it. Oh wait, sorry. It was Snatch. Yes, no, I keep getting Snatch and Lockstock confused. Provenz- Provenzano. Sorry, just got to clarify. Yeah, yeah. Pro Pro's easier. I'm not gonna butcher his last <laughs> name. <laughs> Yeah, and um, he's played by Stephen Stephen Graham, who is an English actor, which is much, which makes That's it crazy. so much better because his accent is insane. Like, if you didn't know who he was before this, you'd just assume he was American. Yeah, which, I have um, no idea. I very quick aside because I had this conversation last night, and it, it's something that annoys me because 
um, English actors, yeah. whenever, I think as a, as a rule of thumb, if you're someone doing an accent that is not um, typical for you, you got to try and make it specific to a certain area because general, like, especially with American, because we, we've heard so many American accents now, mm-hmm. a general American accent sounds so lazy and fake and it kind of takes me out of who the character is, like Daniel Radcliffe. Mm. Every time I see him in a movie and he's American, the last couple I've seen was like Horns and this movie called um, The F Word. Mm. He sounds, oh no, sorry, not The F Word, um, Guns Akimbo. He sounds so generically American to the point that since, since we all know that Daniel Radcliffe is not American, the fact that he sounds so basic makes it sound like fake, if yeah. that makes sense. So you need like a as, regional accent as opposed to. You need a region. America. <laughs> it's kind of like whenever someone does an Australian accent and they pick the most broad, exaggerated Aussie accent they can, and it sounds fake as shit. Mm. But if they went, okay, I'm going to be from suburban Sydney, and they stick to that accent, it sounds way more legit because it sounds like an actual real person. Yeah. Because, um, um, what do you call it? Like an, an example of an English actor who does accents, who did an accent that's very regional and it worked was some um, fuck Daniel Craig. Mm. Cause in Logan Lucky and in Knives Out, he has this kind of like thick, very Southern, like I'll, I'll call it a drawl because that's what it is. Yeah. This thick Southern drawl. And it's so specific to a specific part of America that he doesn't sound like he's like, um, he doesn't sound generic. He doesn't take you out of the thing. Cause I'm, I'm sorry. It's just this weird thing I have where I know an actor is not American, but then when they speak in a generic American accent, it makes it sound fake. Like when's the last time you saw Christian Bale do an American accent where you're like, wow, that sounded fake. He doesn't because have, because most of the time he picks a specific thing and then he sticks to it. Like American psycho, he goes to New York as shit. And then mm-hmm. it doesn't take you out. So that's why I'm happy with Stephen Graham in this because his accent was so, um, I forget where they said he was from. It wasn't like Brooklyn or something. It was something very specific and it didn't, and it sounded legit. Like if anyone didn't know who he was and he just said, oh, I'm from this part of America, mm. they, would, they would not bat an eye. They'd go, yeah, fair. Yeah. So no, that's, my, that's, my, that's, that's my side thing about accents. <laughs> even that, though no, I'm, that was a good tangent. Okay. Even though I'm Zimbabwean with a fucking American accent for some reason, it's not going to that. That's, it's, it's weird. That's, well, we can dive into that another day. That's uh... yeah. Anyway, so yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy Hoffa's thing with Tony Pro. I forget what they said the reason for them being enemies were. They were friends at some point, and something happened, and they split off, and then they became rivals. Mm. And and the... Jimmy gets caught up basically. Yeah. Uh, and Jimmy goes to jail for fraud. For fraud, for four years, but he's sentenced for more, I believe. He's, I think, yeah, he goes to jail for a while, which in movie time means he didn't even age. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> it looks exactly the same. Shows up yeah. back, but whilst and, he's and in and prison, <clears throat> Tony's also there. Tony Pro is also and, there. And Tony's in there for not fraud. He they they he does specify what it is, Something but he thinks I forget. Slightly different. Uh, slightly different. I, because I, um they have another, the, the another thing. money thing. Yeah. 
not embezzlement. No, it wasn't embezzlement, something else. And um, basically, it just all leads up to them having the conversation where um, Jimmy Hoff is eating his ice cream, as it is shown, he, he, he's a cereal ice cream fan. Mm. And um, Tony Pro comes in, then goes, hey, I need you to help me get my money back. And then Jimmy is like, well, I, I know you've lost your money. Then he's like, then Tony's like, but you can still get your money, right? Then he's like, yeah, I can. He's like, so how come you can get yours? I can't get mine. And then of course Jimmy's like, oh, I, I'm in here for fraud. You're in here for something else. Extortion. Extortion, which means there was, I think, extortion also implies a certain threat to someone. Yes, yes. Which is much different because fraud, no one really gets threatened, but extortion is a bit more of a violent crime because yeah. there's a threat that. So basically that's it. So based, based on that, Jimmy says, well, I can't help you get your money back because you can't. Your money's gone. You fucked up. And then, of course, there's the, then he, he says you people, which is the universal term for whatever word you want to insert as a slur, mm-hmm. which I think Tony Pro is not, he's not Jewish, is he? Yeah, he might be. Yeah, which honestly, not that it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, but in terms of the of like understanding the plot, basically, um, Jimmy Hoffa flings a fat, dirty slur at him, mm. and Tony Pro's like, obviously, I want you to apologize. And Jimmy Hoffa, being a serial non-apologist, <laughs> is like, fuck that, I don't want to apologize. And then, almost rightfully so, he gets his ass beat. I don't, I don't, I don't fault Tony Pro for that because if someone was just, you know, being like, there's a difference between disrespecting someone's character mm. and like their ethnicity because that's like, that's not only a slight towards you, it's a slight towards you and your whole race. And then you're like, yeah. well, them's fighting words, let's go. And then you know they have a little bit of a, a fight in there, and then later on they they both eventually get out and. Um, so yeah. I, I feel like there's a paradigm shift when Jimmy gets out because something happens where there's this guy who's his vice president. Yeah, the vice now president becomes, becomes president and he's like, yeah. he's like, he has no presence, basically. He is a, a weak leader and people are like able to easily manipulate him. And for that reason, I believe they want to keep him in power, which is why it's so hard for Jimmy to t- resume back to his position. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, of course, Jimmy wants to get back in power, and they're like, no, you, you can't do that. I forget what the reasoning is, obviously. Yeah. But um, they don't want him to get back in power. And he's like, no, this is my union. And they're like, well, you can, uh, they be the mob, obviously, are like, you can still run the union, just don't be the figurehead of it. You can go home, earn your money, still control the union, but mm. you don't have to be the president. He's like, nope, fuck that shit. I'm Jimmy Hoffa. I'm, this is my union. I want yeah. to be president. And then that start that that kind of becomes the central conflict of this section of the movie because it goes for a while, and it becomes a sort of back and forth thing of the mob. There's actually a scene where like the mob tells Frank to tell Jimmy, "Hey man, you should you should you should calm the fuck down." And then, <laughs> and then Jimmy tells Frank to tell um the mob, "Fuck that. I'm not ba- I'm not backing down." And um. It kind of goes on and on like that. Oh, a part that we didn't talk about before because this movie's too long. We tend to forget most things. Um, Frank does become the president of a section of the union, like a local section. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a local teamster leader, I guess. Yeah, and because of this, um, after a while, he has like an awards night, which he wants Jimmy to talk at, 
And at this point, Jimmy and the mob are not on really good terms. So he's scared to tell him, but then Frank, then Jimmy's like, fuck that. I'm going to talk. I don't give a damn who's, who's over there. And so he goes there and they have the, they have the night, the, the awards night, all the mobsters are there. You got your, um, Joe Pesci's there. Ray Romano's there. This um, new guy's there named, uh, is he Sal or I don't know. Um, oh no, Sal's the homie with the thick ass glasses. Oh, okay. No, no, um, no. Yeah. The other guy, the bigger guy. Oh, Fat Tony? Is he actually Fat Tony? I, that's what, I didn't want to say. To- it. I think it's, it's, it's Tony Salerno, I think, but he is colloquially known as Fat Tony. Okay. Yeah, Fat yeah. Tony gets introduced on the some latter half of the part where Jimmy Hoffa comes out of jail, and then I think Fat Tony is like on like a same level as Russell in terms of influence, so he's kind of like, well, he can come to Russell and go, we need to, we need to control this guy, man, and Russell can't just go, shut the fuck up, I'm doing my thing. He's like, well, cool. Let's try and figure this out. Mm. And um, I think Harvey Cattell's there. And we didn't talk about... um. Oh, we missed a whole thing, didn't we? Yeah, I was going to say, there's, a scene, there's an important scene uh, of a meeting after jail where mm-hmm. Hoffer and Tony Pro are supposed to make amends. I don't know if that was what you were thinking of. Was that what you were No, thinking? no, I think... I th- oh, this is the one where he comes in the... No, Shorts. we're thinking of something. We're thinking of something else. I'm thinking of when Crazy Joe Gallo. Who? There's this guy. <laughs> I think around the time Jimmy went to jail, that this guy who um, was, I think, maybe affiliated with Tony Pro. I forget. Oh, the, oh yeah, 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 okay, okay, okay. Yeah. And then they is it's it's the guy where um. At some point, he goes. To, it's I think it's it's Joe Gallo's birthday, and they're at some club, and some comedians making some jokes or some shit. And um, Joe goes up to Russell, and he looks at his like um, Teamster pin, or like Italian Union or whatever it is, and then he's like, you know, basically gives him throws him some shade, and then Russell's just like, yeah, I'm not playing that shit. Then Frank takes him aside, then goes, yeah, maybe calm down, don't do this shit. Um, you know, let's not start a, start anything bad, but. Unfortunately for Joe, basically him disrespecting Russell meant he's got to die. So yeah. then you have the then you have the cool little sequence where um the best this is I one think, of the best scenes where Frank like explains like what guns you need and where they used to throw the guns off in a river. There's like hundreds of guns. <laughs> Wait, what's, what's what's in the bathroom again? Oh, and he's like, like, oh, you gotta um, you gotta go to the bathroom. That way you get a survey. Like if there's one guy in the bathroom, if there's no one in yeah, the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. And you get to, you know, get a look at the whole uh, restaurant before you go in. And if you need yeah. to pee, you can pee because you don't yeah. want to be nervous when you go. <laughs> yeah. And the best thing about this scene is it's like so much set up to go, oh, this hit, you got you to gotta approach it this certain way. There's all these ways to do it. You got to have your, your main gun and your backup gun in case the gun jams or some shit or like there's more people. Or you got you to gotta kill the bodyguard first because he'll be a problem. And then he just kind of walks in. And just goes for it. There's Nothing. no, there's no finesse. There's no fanfare. Like, there's no. Um, they don't make it seem like he's doing the like this amazing, likely executed thing. It's like they play it straight for like what it is. Like yeah. this is just like this. There is a plan, but it's not like John, like John Wick. Oh, boom, boom, boom. Like, he just oh. walks in, then he comes like. <laughs> He looks for a second and goes, eh, fuck it, let's go. And then he just... And the people and run. Then, like he says, he says... People run, and then Joe, 
and then I think I think that wasn't the part of the plan was Joe kind of um getting away for a bit and falling through the glass and falling onto the street and then he has to get killed on the street and then Frank has to go off and throw the guns away. That was a cool sequence. Like that was amazing. That was cool. Um But again then, I felt like it, you know, did it really serve the story? I think it's because Joe Gallo like appears kind of out of nowhere, becomes he's an asshole for a scene or two, and then he just dies anyway. It's like it, it serves uh, like Russell, like it, you know, again putting him in this high position, a very powerful person, and it also yeah. shows uh, Frank's capabilities as a hitman. But I feel like we already knew this stuff. You know, I already knew this stuff. If anything, weirdly enough. Kind of- what? Weirdly enough, I feel like this could the kind of sequence that should have kind of happened when he killed Whispers, because that was the first time we kind of saw him really do like a hit. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. So it would be cool to go, well, now I gotta go kill Whispers. I gotta go about it this way. But now I guess a few like a way ways down the line, then suddenly now there's a sequence about it and they kind of put some importance on it, even though there's not really much we I can't remember anything about Joe besides him being an asshole and then he died. Yeah. That's pretty much it. So with the meeting uh, between Tony and uh, Jimmy, uh, Mm -hmm. they basically meet up after Jimmy is out of jail and obviously Tony's out of jail because they can't be in jail. Uh, And (laughs) and this is in Florida. Uh, Jimmy's got uh De Niro with him or uh, Frank and mm-hmm. Tony has his cousin his cousin's kind of whose, whose name though. doesn't matter <laughs> even though it's a, it's, a, it's a real life person who'll be very offended if they heard this but his yeah. name doesn't matter basically the setup for this scene is that uh Jimmy needs Tony to endorse him so he can become the team's the leader or the, or the leader of the Teamster Union again, um, yeah. but obviously they had their fight in jail, and it, uh, it goes sideways. <laughs> yeah, so um, I guess basically he needs his endorsement because I think the guy who was the vice president who became president it's... when Jimmy went to went to uh, yeah, since Fitz is Fitz has some sort of like partnership with Tony Pro to mm-hmm. the point that like I think. Um, if if um, Jimmy wants anything to do with being president again, he basically needs Tony Pro's blessing to be president. And obviously, Jimmy don't like asking for shit from no one, no no less Tony fucking Pro. And so it starts off amazingly with um, it also establishes Jimmy's problem with people being late. He doesn't like waiting. He says oh, no, ten minutes. This is before. This is already established. This is a this is a thing that we already know at this point. When did it when did it, when did it start? I thought this was the first. It's like when like uh, when Frank is doing earlier jobs for him. Uh, it's like I think maybe the first time maybe Russell tells him to meet Jimmy. And he's like he likes people to be on time. Something okay, like I think I I probably just missed that. Yeah. Anyway, so this is more a continuation of Jimmy's obsession with people not being late, which I think is also a control thing. It's a control mm-hmm. thing and a respect thing because he doesn't like this idea that your time is much more important than mine. How dare you be late? Mm. So he's getting he's sitting there. He he almost leaves, and Frank's like, obviously, come on, he's you, you need this guy's endorsement. You need to tough this out. And Jimmy's just you know 
he's 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 on edge. And then uh, Tony Pro comes in in fucking shorts and uh, <laughs> some some loafers and this really nice shirt that apparently Stephen Graham actually has the exact same shirt. He just never wears it. He just kind of keeps it because he can. And then obviously they get, they get in there. Tony's like you know swaggering around and Jimmy's not having any of it. He just looks at him. He's just like fifteen minutes late. At that point, why why even show? And then, of course, Tony's like, "Well, I'm here, aren't I?" And then they have that cool little argument about ten minutes. Is ten, all right, ten minutes is max. You can't be more late than ten minutes. And then Tony's like, "No, nah, I make you fifteen. You got you got to account for um for traffic. Uh, for traffic." And then, of course, um, De Niro chimes in with the uh, twelve and a half. Let's 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 throw it in. in let's, let's let's make it even. Which is which apparently was an improv was an improv line. Yeah, apparently, and then. Yeah, then it kind of it goes like, "Hey, I need I need your endorsement," and then Tony Pro, being the fucking baller that he is, is like, "You can get my endorsement. You gotta apologize." And then, of course, then everyone else goes, "Wait, apologize for what?" And then he's like, "In jail, this guy threw threw ethnic slur at me. I want that apology, or you don't get shit from me." And yeah. Jimmy Hoffa just being. The absolute fucking worst. The worst. <laughs> yes. You, here's the thing, though. Here's the problem. I think the problem with Jimmy Hoffa in this movie was that his principles get in the way of shit that he desperately needs to get done. Yeah. Like he could have apologized, but he could have apologized insincerely, made it sound legit, but deep down, go no, fuck it, I hate you. But yeah. For the sake of just um of just getting the endorsement and getting out of there. He couldn't even lie and apologize. He, had, yeah. he was like, no. Then he's like, I'm going to apologize for, call, for saying you people if you apologize for being late. I think that's what he said. Mm. And then, of course, Tony Pro's like, that's not happening. And then, of course, he does a thing where he almost leaves, which, again, was the improv thing. He wasn't supposed to get up and try and leave. And then his fr- his um, cousin and Frank were like, no, you can, come on, sit down. Let's, let's get this... Um, figured out and then of course their egos just keep clashing and keep clashing and i forget who throws the first swing oh no i think tony pro says some shit about his wife or something Mm -hmm. like that i forgot what it was he said some shit about his wife and jimmy just snapped just lunged took took the fucker down and then Basically, yeah. just k- killed his whole chance of getting anything from that's Tony the Pro end anyway. Ah, uh, uh, pretty much. That's yeah. the end. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Something I got to mention is just like, yeah, I had it down that it's like it just goes to show like the mafia is just like pettiness with high stakes. So that's all. They're so petty, just the littlest things, and someone dies. <laughs> yeah. It's like, did you look, did you look at me for this? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> the mob is basically Pokemon where you're walking down the street and you look at one guy once, he's like, that's it. <laughs> Hands. You're catching him. Uh, the the mob is just mean girls, basically. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we should do an edit where they do like when he lunges over and does like the, the, the like lion roar that happens whenever in um in Mean Girls where yeah, um, yeah. he like jumps on somebody, yeah. Anyway, um, oh my god, he's like, You came to me in shorts, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, And then I love it because Tony Pro's like, Fuck that shit, you're wearing pants in Florida. Do you wear pants everywhere you go? He's like, I don't care if I'm in fucking Timbuktu, I'm wearing pants. Yeah, <laughs> it's so I, I love, I guess, like, it's like my favorite scene just in terms of like tension, yeah, because 
when you first see it, you're like, I don't know if he's going to apologize. Like, is he just going to swallow his pride and apologize? And then Jamie Hoffa's like, no. Fuck yeah. that shit. He came to me in shorts. Them's fighting words. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very quickly, Jimmy's um, adopted son is played by Jesse Plemons. Yes, Jesse Plemons, uh, the creep of Breaking Bad. Uh, the creep off Breaking Bad, the creep off Game Night. If you've not seen Game Night, creep, watch that movie. The creep that's married to uh, Kirsten Dunst. Is that right? Huh? What? Who? What? That's right. I think that, I'm pretty sure. That's Jesse right. Plemons. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Thank you. Yeah. How do you spell Jesse? J E S S E? Yeah, you just check an E at the end of Jess. Okay, there. Jesse Plemons. I'm sure he's a nice person, but he always plays creepy roles. <laughs> I think Jesse Plemons is like Will, is like Willem Dafoe in the sense that he might be the nicest guy in the world, but objectively, that face when you're being wait, let me finish <laughs> that face when you are being cast in a movie. If I was the casting director and I'm like, hey, look, I'm looking for the creepiest motherfucker in this room, and I'm sorry, but you. <laughs> You fit the bill. <laughs> it's out like that, though. <laughs> it's like, yeah, pretty much. It's like, look, I think what I've figured out, um, realized from like listening to so many like podcasts with like a lot of actors is, I think they make they make peace with the fact that, hey, look, I have the kind of face that people might want for a specific kind of role. Yeah. I'm an actor. I got to make this money. I'm not going to get all weird about it. Like, yeah. it's kind of like if you get, if, okay, look, Jesse Plemons knows at this point that it is a casting call for I want someone to play a dirtbag. He's like, I'm good. I got yeah. this. Because um, wasn't there, there was a movie where um, who was it? Fuck, I forget the homie who plays um, Ant-Man again. Paul Rudd? Paul Rudd. <laughs> I think it was a movie where there's a movie where I think Paul Rudd's meant to play a, an asshole. And test audiences legitimately could not believe he was being. He he seems <laughs> such a, like such a nice guy that they're like. Does anybody not nah. call in um, Anchorman or no? Nah, mm, uh, they don't really play uh, like they don't play malicious assholes. They kind of play like ignorant, just heightened ignorant people. That's pretty much yeah, it. Yeah, I guess. Except except for the guy who plays um. The bald guy with the cowboy hat. I hate him so much. No. I hate him. Whammy. I, I hate him. That guy. He's in the office. I hate him. I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> the office again? Was he, um, do you know what happens? I confuse him with the guy who plays, um, the dude who sold Jeff out in community. Oh, uh, yes. They are the same. They are the same. They, uh, they fit that they exact are. pinpoint. And it has to be that, more just being bald and annoying. <laughs> But that's it him. might be it might be a bald guy thing. You don't know. <laughs> I don't know. He might oh be. My God. Oh. Yeah, th- those two. Look, I'm I'm not gonna lie. They play it too well. They play it so well that I gotta yeah. I gotta give. I props. just I just it's, yeah, you gotta give it up. I just hate them so much. And for that, <laughs> these claps are for that pure hatred. Oh, real pieces of shit. <laughs> <laughs> And once again, they know, they, they know if it sounds like, hey, I'm looking for someone to play like a sleaze bag. They're like, I got this. I got this in the bag. Anyway, so before Sorry, we get guys, too derailed, nice what, what are we talking um, about? All right, so we're talking Jesse about Jesse, Jesse. Oh, yeah, he, he is dating Kirsten Dunst. Hey, man. I hope, I hope they're happy together. Yeah. They've been um, engaged since 2017. 
When's that marriage happening? Damn, that's a that's a long engagement. <laughs> COVID COVID didn't help that. <laughs> Just <to, laughs> anyway. Uh, anyway, so um so that was a we have to also we have to also establish the fact that Jesse Plemons plays his adoptive son, who some guy this this is a scene before where some guy comes to Jimmy Hoffa's trial and he like pulls like a fake gun on him and then he just gets jumped like beat like it's in a court of law you wouldn't think you'd see someone get jumped in the in a court of law but goddamn yeah he got Is that a setup? Like, just, not really was it i think I, it's, it, if well, anything i i think it's more to set up the fact that jesse plemons character is pretty loyal to um, Jimmy Hoffa, he's like, I will beat somebody up for you, but which is weird because ultimately he's not really no much. But because it wasn't a real gun, I was thinking, was that a plant from Jimmy Hoffa, like to make um, it him look be. good? I don't know, honestly. Yeah. That kind of just happened so quickly that I'm like, yeah. Oh, or maybe the person was some sort of radical or some shit like that. Anyway, so. Um, we are talking about no, what we're talking about now. We talked about the scene with him and Tony Pro and have the fight. So basically, he loses his the any chance to get endorsed. Yeah, and this doubles back to the scene we did talk about a little bit too early, but the award night where uh, Frank is getting recognized, um, and he has Jimmy be the speaker, and that's where Russell and uh, the other Tony, the fat Tony, is uh, Salerno. Salerno is. Uh, mm-hmm you know, saying, you know, let's get rid of this guy. This is his last chance. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Frank's doing a bit of middle manning. Um, so yeah, we already discussed God, that. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a sad, it's kind of sad seeing just Frank is like, so he's so, what's the word? Torn. Cause he's like, he's, he's truly in the middle in terms of like, maybe if I side with Jimmy a bit too much, I'm going to get like whacked at the same time. But mm-hmm. I need to also be on this side with the mob just enough to help Jimmy get out of the rut he's in. But Jimmy being... Uh, there's a part where I think um, someone's someone's like having a conversation. I think um, um, Joe Pesci, Harvey Keitel, and the, the fat Tony character are like at a table, they're having a conversation. And you look up and you just see Jimmy Hoffa like digging into a stake and just staring at him. <laughs> it's just dead eye, like, what are y'all talking about? And I'm just like, damn. Which, it kind of goes to show that I don't think Jimmy ever really liked the mob. Like, yes, they helped him get to where he was, but he never, he was never really a part of them. He was always kind of on the outside. Mm-hmm. He was never like, um, maybe there's times where they kind of made him feel like maybe he was like way more important than he actually was. But ultimately, he's just as expendable as like Whispers or um, Joe Gallo or anyone else. Because if yeah. they don't, if he doesn't serve their needs, and he's and he not only not serving their needs, but also being like a pain while he's doing it. Like he is refusing to go with any orders they give him. They're like, well, if you're not gonna play ball, then. Uh, then you yeah. gotta go. Yeah, it, it's yeah, it's worth noting that like, especially when Frank starts to work with Jimmy, is that uh, Russell says, uh, "Oh, you gotta work with one of the guys from the top." So he he labels uh, Jimmy as the top, and then yeah, that completely shifts. That changed. Oh uh, yeah. Later on in the film, he is no longer at the top, uh, mm-hmm. which brings us to 
the flash forward scene that we uh, throughout the movie we've gotten glimpses of, which is this road yeah. trip to uh, this is Bill's daughter's wedding. So Bill again played by Ray Romano, not too major of a character, you know. Mm. Uh, uh, basically, yeah, they're they're on the way to this wedding, and we find out that this is around the time when uh, we finally caught up to when the awards are happening. Uh, when Jimmy is out of uh, out of jail, uh, like it's all starting to link up at this point, Beginning and yeah. essentially uh, they're making stops uh, throughout their journey towards uh, the wedding. Uh, mm-hmm. And Russell pulls Frank aside, and he's like, uh, "It has to be done. Like this is it." He doesn't say it in so much as like clear terms. I uh, think he says. It, um, I chose us over him mm. or something along those lines because um, oh and I think the the kicker in this sequence is on the way there Frank keeps calling Jimmy and going hey man you need to meet up with Tony Pro again you need to get this shit sorted out and Jimmy is like fuck that shit I don't want to do it mm. <clears throat> and then they and then he hands the call and then I think later on, either Frank calls Jimmy, Jimmy calls Frank, but then at this point, Jimmy's like, yeah, then Jimmy's like, look, I'll do it. Okay. I changed my mind. I want to do it. But at this point, once, once that call ends and um, Frank goes talk to Russell, then Russell's like, it's already too late. He didn't like literally the last call. Maybe he would have been safe. Like if he had agreed to try and mend things with Tony at this point, but now it's like, that's it. You're done. which sucks because that was like, was it like the next day or even later on that day? It wasn't like, I there wasn't it was that much time. Day. Like they, and then Frank and, yeah. uh, and Russell have breakfast and then he flies him out to Detroit uh, on a plane um, to meet up with Jimmy and supposedly Tony. But then, you know. What happens is, um, yeah, he basically he gets to he gets to Detroit, gets off the plane, gets on a, in a car, drives past the place where um, they're actually meant to go meet with Tony. He actually sees Jimmy on a payphone trying to call someone because mm. he, can, he, he was like, meant to be there. At, he was meant to be there at two. two. But it's much it's much later, so you can already yeah. see fright, um, Jimmy trying to like to freak out, and he goes to his house, and there's these two guys there looking kind of suspicious, and then he meets um, Sal, who you mentioned before. This big guy, this guy with thick glasses. Big glasses. Big glasses, dude. And um, who kind of looks like the villain from Scott Pilgrim versus the world, but just taller with thicker glasses. Um, I forget his name. Jason Schwartz? Jason Schwartzman? I can, I'm can. i confusing Ben Schwartz and Jason Schwartz. doesn't matter. Anyway, so then, then Jesse Plemons shows up, and then they have to go and pick up um, Jimmy to bring him back to the house because apparently the plan has changed. Yeah, and so then there's this really weird exchange between. <laughs> this is yeah, this weird three-way exchange where, first of all, um, Sal's like, "Why does this, this car smell like shit?" And then um, Jesse Plemons' character is like, "Oh, I, I had a frozen fish in the back," which to this day I don't even know if that was what actually happened. It sounds like he was lying. Because then he's like, oh, what, what kind of fish was he? He's like, I don't know. It was a fish. And then he kept changing his story like, oh, I got it from a... Um, he's like, he first, he, he called it some specific fish. And then the guy's like, I don't know. Uh, like, I, I don't it. think he called it a specific fish. I, I didn't read it that way. I read it, it was as a good. weird scene. It, I think the tension of it made it seem like 
because since everything okay up until this, this whole sequence there's no sound it's dead silence so everything is tense to shit so even them talking about the fish made me go does is, like does sal suspect something is he gonna kill jesse Plemons' character based off the fact that it's apparently a fish in the back and there's also the part where sal's like hey you uh, to frank you sit in the front i'll sit in the back and then frank's like ah uh-uh. I'm sitting in the back. You go in the front. Mm. And he kind of pulls rank, he pulls rank on him a little bit because he's like, no, trust me, I want to go in the back. Because then part of that also makes me think, was Frank meant to die or something? Because Sal is an assassin. The first thing we see him doing early on in the movie is he kills someone. So my first thought was, is he, is there, is he trying to put himself in like a vantage point where if something happens, he can kill Frank really quickly and then kill, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's very yeah. weird. It's, it's a the, distrustful the, situation. And I think that's it. No one trusts anyone. No one kind of believes I, anyone's intentions. I think that um, I forget the name Jesse Plemons of Jesse Plemons' character, but I think he is blissfully unaware. I think he legit just he has no idea what's going on, and he's. I think he was being yeah. honest. Um, he was I just told what to do. <laughs> I just realized how, like, obvious it is now that like he's like, oh this fish there was fish here it's like something smells fishy is like legit like what they're drawing <laughs> on here. and they're just like wow oh. that went right past me <laughs> i think it's because they, they kind of lead into it so much you don't think much besides like oh it's probably just a fish yeah but it's like oh something's off <laughs> i didn't realize yeah that. exactly um, um I think yeah so then they yeah i was gonna say i think frank would want to just be next to Jimmy in terms of just like, I don't know, I feel like maybe he, he's trying to make Jimmy as comfortable as possible in maybe, that scenario yeah. I think because he knows he's about to do what he's about to do and he doesn't want yeah. him to get more frazzled than he needs to be so if he's sitting in the back you know it just. I also, I also feel like there was a thing where I think Russell implied, look Frank, if you don't do this someone else will. It might as well be you because I feel like you do with some sort of level of humanity, you wouldn't just, you know, <clears throat> draw it out or make it way worse than it needs to be. Mm. I feel like Sal was meant to do it in case Frank chickened out or Frank didn't end up doing it so he could handle everyone. Anyway, I feel like Frank sat in the back because he didn't trust Sal and worst case scenario, he could handle it because when you're in the back seat, you've got the power because they can't see you. You're... Like that. Anyway, we're, we're reading too much into them getting into a fucking car. So they go and they pick up Jimmy. Yeah. And then Jimmy's obviously like, the fuck. Then he's like, he's he's confused by the fact that Jesse Plemons' character is there and Sal is there because I don't think he knows Does Sal he, that well. So he I don't think he knows Sal. Is Sal supposed to be Tony's representative? Like his guy. Sal. Sal is moment? with um. Yeah, I think allegedly, but mm-hmm. I feel like. All, like in general, Sal's um, connection is more with like Russell and um, Angelo Bruno and stuff because he's like the hitman type guy. Mm. Or maybe it is Tony Pro. Either way, either way, Tony Pro is too connected to them in some way anyway. Yeah. So then they get there and they get, it takes a bit to get Jimmy in the car because he's like, wait, wait, so, the, so we're changing location. No one told me. We're all going to a random house now or some shit. And then he sees Frank and he's like, oh, okay, Frank's here. Things should be cool. Yeah, he gets in the car. it's like I think it's all strategically placed by because uh, I think Russell is the one who really organized all this shit. So I think like the people he chose all had to make sense and uh, like lure 
uh, Jimmy into a false sense of security by seeing his son, seeing Frank, who's like, you know, he trusts him, like, no matter what. And uh, seeing someone else would mean that, like, like seeing uh, Sal might imply that it is like an olive branch by Tony in a way. I, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. thinking, like, it's weird, yeah. So yeah. then they pick him up and they go to the house, and then there's just the most heartbreaking sequence where they get out of the car. Um, J- Jesse Plemons and Sal they dip mm. for some reason. I don't know what the plan, that plan was. And then um, Frank and Jimmy go in the house. The house is empty now. There's no one in there. Yeah, those guys. Um, are J- <clears throat> Jimmy walks in first. He looks around, and then I think it clicks to him that something's up. And then he le- he tries to go to he tries to go, and then of course. Frank pops him. It was so quick too. It was it was it was quick and unlike the other deaths, you actually hear the reaction from the person being shot. The other ones they just died. In this one, you actually hear like the yell of surprise because he genuinely would not be expecting that. He'd be like, "Oh well, Frank's here. Everything should be fine," and then he's gone. Also. Weirdly enough, what sucks for me, this scene got ruined for me. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> a year ago, I was watching some sort of some sort of um video essay, and they just so show a scene from the Irishman of um De Niro killing Al Pacino, and I had no idea what the character who the characters were. So I'm just like this whole time, <laughs> I'm just waiting for this to happen. And I'm just oh, like, no. fuck! It's like back when um. Spoiler warning, Game of Thrones, even though at this point, who gives a fuck? Spoiler warning. Um, in high school, I saw the scene with, with Oberyn getting his head squished by the mountain. No. Before, before I'd even seen the show. So when I started no. watching the show, then Oberyn shows up and I'm like, wow, this guy's pretty cool. And that's then, so sad. Oh, that's tragic. That was oh, such a good arc. That was like one of the best Game of Thrones arcs. Damn, man, that's when you genuinely felt. That's when the show genuinely gave you hope, and then just nope. Yeah, fuck that you think he's gonna get revenge for the mountain basically raping and killing his sister? Nope. Fuck that shit. He gets killed too because fuck, fuck your happiness. Yeah. Oh yeah, man, that was yeah. actually the first time I ever saw um, Pedro Pascal as well. And uh, yeah, he's been the homie ever since. Legend. He's so good. The One of the best. Glory. Yeah. <laughs> Which that's that's not a spoiler. It's literally in the fucking cast listing. He's the Mandalorian. Don't He's the Mandalorian. Me. I'm sorry. We're sorry. This. Do you know what sucks? Because knowing who he is, <laughs> knowing who he is and what he looks like in the Mandalorian, when the helmet comes off, I'm just like, oh no, Pedro Pascal. I know who you are. <laughs> oh wow. I've, I've, I've seen I've seen Narcos. Come on. Yeah, I have not seen Narcos. Uh... Um, season one and two are pretty good. That's like top tier netflix shit that is okay that's great okay anyway going going on jimmy hoffa dies and then rest, they, in um, rest in peace to this guy i didn't know the fuck you were but hey i like al pacino so i guess i feel sad now oh, so, so you seem like a kind of shitty person in a, in a way you did have yeah. a relationship with peggy i guess was that yeah. weird i don't know you liked ice cream i don't think his, 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 <laughs> his thing i think right now in this society, whenever we see any good relationship between an older man and a younger girl, and the older man is not like in her family, we've yeah. automatically assumed the worst. Which, to be fair, yeah. we, have good re- we have good reason to. I'm not gonna say, hey, we don't trust men anymore. There's a reason. This isn't like 
you know, there's a reason why we don't, we, yeah. we feel weird about it. We, I, I always feel weird until I'm proven otherwise. And in this, I feel like his relationship with her was genuinely, he just, he just thought she was a, yeah yeah you know what yeah the movie never said that it implied that he was a creep or anything like that so he he never if anything i think think, if anything i think it's more or less a um a statement on the character of russell basically never being himself like you don't really feel who russell is as like okay if you strip away all the mob shit who is Russell? Yeah, he likes wine. Yeah, he likes bread. The he only gave like kind smoking. of <laughs> give us smoking. The only like part of his personal life you kind of see is the one scene he comes home to his wife and he's in bloody in a bloody shirt, and she's like you know quick to handle business and and stuff like that. And him trying to have a relationship with Peggy because him and his wife never had kids. They can't have kids. They will never have kids. So on some level, you understand his human need to you know want that kind of relationship, but mm. ultimately him being the kind of person he is peggy sees through that shit and goes nah you're the devil but with jimmy you're the sticky is... bandit <laughs> the sticky bandit yeah <laughs> <laughs> if anything she should not trust him because of that anyway um and then there's jimmy who is actually so unapologetically himself to the point that what you see is basically what you get jimmy doesn't lie to your face he will tell you like i don't give a fuck about you I'm here for this. And I feel like Peggy being a kid and a kid being a really good, a kid being a, you know, on, on the most, for the most part, a pretty good judge of character. She looks at, at, at Jimmy and goes, he's not lying to me. If he just genuinely wants to hang out and have fun and, and chill with me and my family, that's just what he wants because yeah. he's just a friend of Frank's without, I feel like he's Russell is a yeah, I feel like Russell's a friend of Frank's with not a, not necessarily an ulterior motive, but like he definitely uses Frank to do shit. Mm. Whereas Jimmy and Frank are just really good pals, but you know, it's a bit more on like a level playing field. Yeah. <clears throat> like neither of them act like they're above the other one, which is why I think her relationship, um, Peggy's relationship with um russell as opposed to jimmy went the way it did because russell was basically always a wolf a wolf in sheep's clothing whereas frank is just i am what i am and that kind of is probably why she liked him much more mm. yeah <clears throat> and so basically after jimmy dies they grab his body they go and they cremate him and then of course i i i didn't i saw in real life he disappeared they didn't find a body he just fell off the face of the earth mm. no one knows what happened to him of course the um people assume since he had mob ties the mob probably killed him and took care of that shit and put it somewhere else because i think of all the, all the hits they did especially in the movie let's say killing whispers is fine he probably had a criminal record no one gives a fuck about him but jimmy hoffa seemed like you know a bit more of a higher profile person especially in the public eye since he was like um the president of the teamsters and stuff him just being killed would be such a big deal that people would probably try and pursue it. So I think a disappearance is probably in their best interest. So that happens. And then Frank is genuinely just, he's fucked up about it. He feels, he does, he does feel guilty about it. He goes home and of course it comes on the news. And once again, that situation where his family finds out about something that they know he did and they look at him and other times he kind of looks kind of like, 
unconcerned by what's on TV, but at this point, he's just like... He's like, just, he's, it's obvious, like... That. Yeah, and then he's like, I gotta go call um, Jimmy's wife, obviously. And then, of course, Peggy is like, why, why haven't you? And I, I think at that, I think he does mention at that point, Peggy stops talking to him. That's it. Mm. Their relationship died the second he killed um, Jimmy. Yeah. And what do you call it? Oh, yeah, I gotta mention Peggy's played by Anna, Anna Paquin. Anna Paquin. Paquin, who we know as um, Rogue from the X-Men movies. She has like two lines in this movie. That's it. She doesn't say shit. Yeah, as a kid, she's yeah. silent. As an adult, she's silent. And people were kind of like, um, I've heard people just talk about like, what's the point of, you know when they cast someone who's a very, like a face that people recognize. Like I'm not saying Anna Paquin's like the most famous actress in the I world. I have no idea, but yeah. Yeah, but like I guess she's she's definitely more notable as an yeah, actress than it's like why hire this person to it, it could have been anyone. Nothing. Yeah. It's kind of like it's kind of like Jesse Plemons. At this point, people know Jesse Plemons, but he kind of just shows up and dips. Mm. Um so basically uh then is then, this and then I think yeah, go on. Uh basically uh there's a there's the funeral, right? Um Yes, there's a funeral. Yeah, there's a funeral. I don't think anything too important happens there. Uh, yeah. It's basically after that, everyone goes to jail for unrelated reasons. Uh, it's, the, it's the stereotypical part of most Scorsese movies where everything comes crashing down. All the criminals basically get what's coming to them, except Frank, for some reason. Frank just gets off scot-free. He goes to jail. He goes to jail. He does, but he... I, see, I think... Okay, so um, of course I'm going to explain... <laughs> We gotta ex- explain the um the jail sequence where basically all of the key players except I think Harvey Keitel end up in jail. Like um, I don't even what happened to Harvey Keitel's character. He just disappears. He yeah. just he just goes. Um. So yeah, he ends up with um ends up in jail. Frank ends up in jail with um Russell. Mm. Um. Tony Salerno. I don't think Bill goes to jail. Bill kind of. I don't. I can't remember exactly who, but they a lot of go to jail, they die. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah I think I, the the movie does do a thing with a little bit of a freeze frame on specific people explaining what happens to them later on. Like either like they die and pop up. Yeah, it's like you know that like the ending of a of a movie where it goes John went to um went to <laughs> at the end of a high school school movie. <laughs> <laughs> Except it's like a mob mob over here. I got shot twice in the head in an alleyway. <laughs> it's one of those things which yeah. should, somebody should do an, an edit of like a high school type epilogue with just all the mobsters. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they all end up in um, a lot of them end up in jail, obviously for um, various reasons, and um, they all begin to get old and old, and eventually people die off. And um, there's like a really sad scene. Which is weird when you say it's a sad scene where they're, they're genuinely terrible people, but you feel mm. sad for them. Like in their old ass age, like Frank and and Russell have, I think their last time they have, they can't have wine in jail, obviously. So they have grape juice. Ah, uh, yes, good alternative. They have grape juice and they have bread. And poor like Russell can't even eat, can't even chew on the bread. He's got to have like a tiny whole bite. Yeah, he had a, he had a, he had a stroke, so he kind of had to do that, and um. Yeah, they have their last talk, and um, I think now, like, I forget how many years after Jimmy's death this was, Russell kind of, like, sort of opens up and goes, hey, man, I, I chose us I chose us over him. 
I hope you understand that like it had to happen. Like it was going to happen regardless. And I, and I don't exactly feel happy that it did, but it had to happen. So they had that little heart to heart. And then I think the next day or whenever, um, Frank sees, uh, sorry, Frank sees Russell being like pushed to like the chapel or something by someone. And that's like the last time you saw him. I think he had, uh, I think he went to the infirmary right after they went to the chapel. If anything, he went to probably pray mm. and then he died. Yeah. And yeah. And then afterwards, um, a while back, a while after Frank gets let out, obviously, and the cops are like basically always hounding him for information to try and like incriminate someone, and he's just like, nah, he doesn't snitch. He's taking that shit to the grave. Yeah, exactly. So um, then he tries to obviously like, um, his his body is degrading. He can't walk anymore. He has to use um. Um, yeah, he has it. crutches. Oh, he yeah. has crutches to get around. Um, he tries to fix his relationship with Peggy, which obviously doesn't help. She's not talking to him. She's made her. She's made her peace with the fact yeah, that, that was a sad her, her dad was the way he he was. He he actually ends up talking to one of his other daughters, which you forget he has. Yeah, he has and three other daughters. Just, we didn't mention like the movie. And <laughs> if anything, this this scene kind of to me speaks to how fathering may have happened a few decades ago in terms of the dad may have been there, but he wasn't. He wasn't there. there. Yeah, he didn't battle. understand like how his actions may have affected his family in terms of well, what did he think his daughters thought about him this whole time? What, they, what he did he think? Oh, oh, they're like, oh, dad's dad's just, he does bad things for a good reason. No, but they just thought he was a bad. For us and he protects us. It's probably what they probably, he thought in his head that he's doing the right thing the whole time for them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and obviously the the daughters like you don't know how we felt about the shit you did. You just did it. Yeah, and you know. He's, if anything, he's lucky that that daughter still talks to him anyway, because Peggy just did not want him yeah. to do with them. Peggy had no shit ever since. Oh, and then this shop clerk, <laughs> pretty much. And there's the sad scene where he goes to the bank to try and talk to her because she works at a bank, and then she pretty much closes her teller window yeah. and fucks off. And he's just standing there in his crutches, like Peggy. Peggy. Yeah, like I, 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 I felt that. Like, look, yeah. the problem with with um it, it makes you feel like why do i feel so sad for a terrible person but like yeah. you, you do feel you sad because do. I don't know. they show like i don't know it's just that's, he's that's getting happening. old he's trying to like you know make amends for the shit he's done in whatever way he can but it's too late it's not yeah. as simple as that especially when it comes to just straight up killing folks for like decades it yeah. doesn't work that way and then obviously he ends up in um i'm not sure if anything else happens but he he's does in a nursing in home and he's kind of after the peggy thing he kind of accepts his fate and he goes to purchase his own coffin and well there's action bronson action bronson <laughs> your boy in probably like the most out of left field cameo i've seen so far like what the fuck i did not expect that at all like what the hell <laughs> he played he played it well though like like look i can see action bronson being a big scorsese fan though he seems like he seems like he'd, he'd love to be in like a yeah. movie like this and especially it's not, like acting off de niro that would be so oh boy and also it's not like it's not distracting in like you know how some some cameos just try to like take the attention away and go, hey, look, hey, look, it's me, Action Bronson. Yeah. No, he just kind of shows up, does this thing. He's like a really smooth talking um, coffin salesman. <laughs> I, think. Action, I can see Action Bronson being an actual coffin salesman and yeah, doing it well. Smooth talking coffin salesman. <laughs> 
as he's like, you know, he's 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 a, he's a charismatic guy, so you know it works it works well. Yeah. And then he buys his coffin, then he goes and picks out his um crypt or whatever the fuck it is, mm. and then uh, goes to the. Yeah, because he 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 says it's too final if he gets buried in the ground. He'd rather just stay in a crypt or whatever it is, uh, because that's like less final. And he doesn't, yeah. which is actually oh, that's interesting because. This is something I want to double back to is there's a scene earlier on when uh, Jimmy and Frank are getting acquainted and everything like that. And Jimmy is staying with him in, I think a hotel, uh, they're in different rooms, but Jimmy keeps the door slightly open. Uh, Mm -hmm. and I think it's cause it's like not final essentially. Like, yeah. And they, do the same thing in the end uh, when we flash forward to the nursing home and uh, yeah. Frank doesn't, oh, he doesn't, he doesn't close the door at the end. Yeah. Interesting. Though. Maybe, just maybe, it's like a weird throwback to that Godfather scene where they fully close the door at the very <laughs> end. <laughs> it's like, fuck <laughs> you, man. I'm not doing that shit. Anyway, yeah. Uh, I, did, I didn't notice that, actually. So, yeah. The thing was, like, just not closing the door because, you know, I guess the the fear of it just that's it. That's that's the, the end. Finality the, the binary, like, this is it. This is what this is your legacy. Answer, yeah. Is yeah. But like he yeah he was he was it's like trying to purchase a coffin. It was him trying to close the door, but he but couldn't just, close the door. Uh, yeah. It's just yeah that's something. Yeah, and um he also has a thing where he talks to the the priest the chapel about like you know. He, he, I think he begins to pray a lot and he's sort of trying his best to come to terms with how shit has been, how shit's ending. And there's a question where the, the priest is like, do you regret anything that's happened? And he's just like, no, but I guess me sitting here with you is kind of a yes. Mm-hmm. Like, what? I guess it also it speaks to his thing where since he's a soldier, his thing is execute your orders you don't you don't have time for regrets you just have to do it yeah. and now that he's old and everything's just kind of happened he has to kind of sit there and go do i regret this kinda sorta yeah. I'm, I'm like i lived my life whatever happened happened but you know it's weird he's a very weird like approach to the things he's he doesn't just go oh i hate that i've killed people i'm sad about that but he's just kind of like it happened fuck it okay yeah. cool that is life so yeah, it's a very it's what it's it is. Very, as they it say. is what it is. It's what it no, but they weren't even saying it is what it is. They're like, it's what it is. And I'm like, you can't It's what it is. That doesn't <laughs> ring off like that doesn't sound right. You have to say it yeah. is what it is. It's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So basically with time then um what happens? And then this I think ultimately it does it leaves him being like as alone as possible because his nurse is um taking his blood pressure or some shit then he's like um and orange is the new black cameo <laughs> oh is she from orange is the new black from, i forget her name but yeah she, i never i never seen it she's also i watched something else that she was in i can't remember now anyways she's cool yeah oh, so Daya she, was her name in orange is the new black uh, is she the one with the the crazy hair? No, it's somebody else. No, I still don't Probably not. Anyway, so then she goes off to like on a Christmas break, and then um the priest comes in, then he's just like, Yeah, I'm I'm leaving too. And then Frank kind of just sits there, the door half open. 
Oh no, the half open, like half like, kind of closed. And then yeah, is that the end? I forget. The I end forget. is his nurse leaves him alone, and he's in his room, and the door is like slightly. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty that's much it. it. So that is the end of the Irishman, and the end of our pilot podcast. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> Basically, um, I want to say a very quick and very respectful fuck you <laughs> to Martin Scorsese. <laughs> You don't make a whole essay about how Marvel movies are like the fall of cinema, and then you go to the most, the 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 generation with the least attention span, and give us a three and a half hour movie about old white people talking. He's digging his heels in. He's just like, yeah, you're gonna take. Do you know this. what? It, <laughs> it just seems I don't know. It seems weird that he'd go and make that statement and then do this because. I feel like on some level he has to understand that his audience and the Marvel audience are not the same thing. The Marvel audience can take anyone from like a kid to an old comic book fan or Mm. anywhere in between. And, you know, look, if I showed, um, if I showed anyone, let's say Thor Ragnarok with like a very vague understanding of what's going on, it's fun. They'll enjoy it. They might want to watch it again. But mm. God forbid I try and show anyone this movie because you have to be this weird niche of you like, you either really like Martin Scorsese, crime movies, you like Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, or Joe Pesci. Mostly Joe Pesci because you're like, hey, look, it's um, Sticky Bandit. And um, <laughs> um, what is it? And you like biopics. That is a very mature audience. Very, like, it and most people who... Well there. Sorry. It apparently it did quite well. Uh, oh yeah, like it, it, it definitely did. Like it like, like, had big numbers. Oh yeah, it definitely did. But I guess at the same time, I don't think this movie is gonna have um, the way cinema is going. I don't think it will have the kind of longevity that he would have wanted it to have, because, mm. like, look as a technical marvel in terms of like the um, de-aging wasn't that distracting by the end. Yeah, cool. you get used to it. At first it was odd. As, yeah, as a, as a well-made movie, it's very well-made. But ultimately, my question to anyone or to you is, do you, would you want to watch this again? Mm, all right, no, but I don't... This, it's quite For me, it's actually quite rare that I want to rewatch a movie. So it's like not like a big dismissal like ah this is like not worthy um for me it's kind of just like uh it had a message of kind of like not being able to that's like that's like what i took away from it is just like Hmm. uh not being able to close the door is essentially the message on like the bullshit that you've done (laughs) and not being able to come to terms with it uh of all the pain and suffering that you caused uh, mm-hmm. so that was the message and I guess you don't get that message from Thor Ragnarok uh, so no points to Scorsese on that one but he's also <laughs> like an old man and he's like he was you know he obviously he makes, has he, different opinions and uh, yeah he 
he comes from a different timeline and, and honestly yeah the movies that he makes don't happen as frequently as they used to i guess that's true but i guess it's, message, so. it is to say that the, but the thing is also there is a reason these movies don't happen as much as they used to yes that too like that i'm not saying sense. they should <laughs> I'm not, yeah i'm not saying they shouldn't exist i'm saying these movies are good hmm. but at the same time if they don't do as well as an Endgame or as well as an Avatar or as well as um, what's a kind of like goofy-ish movie that's done like it, it, it will never do like Emoji Movie numbers even though the Emoji Movie is uh, I think it probably did better than Emoji Movie <laughs> Did it? Did anyone like... watch Emoji Movie? But, but here's the thing though <laughs> Oh yeah, people saw Emoji Movie, no way No way they didn't like, I definitely kids, kids, kids are dumb <laughs> kids watch the emoji movie. Kids are dumb, but they're also not. Let's see. I'm I'm a, I'm gonna check this out. Dumb. But then it's, it's it's hard to get to guess how much money it would have made because it's Netflix. It's a Netflix movie, but it did. Yeah, it did well for net, Netflix. Is it, I think I'm I'm thinking of it um in terms of like um for instance, um a lot of the movies that have become like the top rate not top 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 selling movies also have a long life on like DVD. Mm. and stuff because if you think about it um let's say if i bought like the whole infinity saga box set i'm more likely to get way more watches out of that if not for me like people coming over and going hey man you want to watch this let's watch that whereas i feel like the irishman while it did well initially the success kind of stops the second um i guess the second that everyone who wants to see it has seen it. It's not going to have a long life on Netflix getting so many streams because it's like, it's so good. Everyone wants to go back to it. Like, I think I just, I don't know. I feel like it, what's to call it? Times, times have changed because I feel like um, the, the length of it is going to work again, like not work in its favor because people are more likely to rewatch a Goodfellas, which how long is Goodfellas? Let me quickly check this out. Yeah. Uh, Two hours. Yeah. Goodfellas is a good hour less than this movie. And it's also way more, I guess, kinetic and a bit more happens and it's a bit more um, easier to follow. Whereas this running at a full hour or more people, I think you're more likely to start it. Then halfway through it, begin to second guess yourself and go, "Am I really willing to go through this again? Probably not." And then you go yeah. find something, just rewatch The Office again. It, <laughs> so, it's a, it's a big, it's a big ask. It is a big ask. It's, it's kind of, I, it's kind of like, I respect yeah. it though. I don't, oh, I respect it. I, yeah. I definitely, I still think it's worthwhile. on. <laughs> cool. Anyway, um, yeah, I definitely, I respect this movie. I appreciate this movie, but. I am probably not gonna want to watch this again, but not yeah. even in like um not in a, not like in a normal okay like I'm like you I don't tend to want to rewatch many movies like if I end up rewatching a movie it'd be like um something like um I rewatched um Hot Fuzz the other day I rewatched uh, Ant Man the other day I mm. want to there's some I guess the criteria for me to rewatch a movie is. I guess things that I may have missed, but not like in the Irishman's way, because I, I don't know. It's very hard to explain if that makes sense. 
because um I was talking about it um yesterday with like a couple of friends where um me and Denise just watched um um a series of unfortunate events on on mm. Netflix. We powered through it, we finished it. But do I feel like I'm ever gonna watch that again? No. But here I am. I have way more like need to rewatch, let's say, community or breaking bad or like the office or something like that, because there's a bit more to I don't know, there's more to gain long term from like some things to rewatch than than, than like Yeah. Irish. You know? Yeah. If that I, may, I, I feel I, like I get you in a way. It's but I don't know if it's just like maybe I just didn't like it enough. I don't know if it's as deep as I need to pick up extra things. Maybe it's just like it didn't grab me. I don't think Yeah. Maybe that's I don't, it. I don't think I don't I don't think there's much to, to, to get again if you watch it again. That's the thing. Okay. So that's yeah, basically if I'd give it like the abstract rating, the abstract rating is keep it abstract. <laughs> I I appreciate this movie on a technical level. Yeah. Would I recommend it? Eh, probably not. Would I watch it again? Definitely not. But did I? But overall, did I like it? Yes. Mm. Yes, All I right. like this movie. Very good. Very good. I am in a similar boat. I think it was. A, a, I think the directing was great. Mm-hmm. I think it could be edited. To be shorter, for sure. Yeah. Um, definitely some unnecessary parts, a bit of filler, in my opinion. But mm-hmm. that was the tone and the pace that it was going for. It wasn't it was trying to be a slow burn. I get that. It was very uh, um, on, on purpose, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like the film. If someone said, do you want to rewatch it? I'd say, uh, uh, probably not. Because uh, <laughs> um, it's a big ask. Uh, yeah, it is. But yeah, no, it's a good movie, and I would, I think, I would recommend it to people who like crime movies. Yeah. Definitely, like I don't think that's a niche audience. I, I, I don't. I mean, Maybe now, no. but mm, I don't think it's that niche. Uh, so yeah, yeah. It's, it's yeah. Okay, so we we did it. We did it. Happy we podcast. Happy podcast day. All right. So Alrighty. thank you to all of our. Fans, our dedicated fans who all of our one fan who stuck with us all the way to the end. I know that you're still listening, and we appreciate you. Uh, you know what? You're the best. Um, and <laughs> since you you're the best, you're the best. So what should we review next? <laughs> you should follow us on our socials. I'll just pimp my. Uh, account on instagram i'm not that active on socials we'll we'll see um all right maybe you can just follow me on twitter at daniel bokter i don't know why i extended that i'm going to repeat it back just so people can actually understand me it's (laughs) daniel bokter and uh clyde you're next the floor is yours um i am a way more active on what am I even active on Instagram? I have a movie, a movie review Instagram on uh, the Fruitcake blog, just spelt the Fruitcake blog. Normally, what? <laughs> I was gonna say, do you have underscores in there? I feel like I looked it up. There was underscores in there. Yes. Did I? Okay, I'm helping Clyde out. Uh, it is <laughs> the underscore Fruitcake underscore blog. Oh, what do you know it is? Thank you. you. You know my socials way more than I do. I just looked Me it up. Underscake fruitcake underscore blog. Yeah, so I, I put some reviews up there for like 
some things. So He's doing great some movies that some movies that we might ha- we might go back and check out because Dan's still not seen Defined Bloods and he needs he needs to see that. So <laughs> I've never heard of it. <laughs> How have you not? Um, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get I, there. Do I even follow Chadwick on socials? That's something I need to investigate. Bruh, Black Lives Absolutely. Matter. You got to follow the Black Panther. You can't fuck up okay, now. Okay, I'll follow it's the Black Panther. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. okay. We'll figure out what, el- what else we want to watch. We'll probably pick something a bit simpler to break down because goddamn. Mm. I think the fact this podcast went for so long was literally because the movie is so long we had to... It makes sense. It's we had to get, get, through, go, get through all of it. The pilot, all right. we'll out the kinks. Alrighty. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that's that's it for our first episode. Uh, peace. Peace out. <laughs>